0: Welcome to D-Backs Podcast. The future. Technology and stuff. This is the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Sports, 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 sports. From the field to the front office, the ballpark to the broadcast booth, it's time to talk D-Backs baseball. I just think about baseball. Here are Greg Schulte. And he rockets one to deep right center. That is long gone. And Steve Berthium. In the
1: gap at the track at the wall, and he's got it! A.J. Pollock, wow! Play ball! From Salt River Field to Talking Stick in Scottsdale, Arizona, this is D-Backs Podcast, the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Welcome to our 37th D-Backs Podcast, Season 2, Episode 12. I'm Steve Berthium. We are wrapping up what's been an enormously successful spring training for the D-Backs here in Scottsdale, and as we tape this show, it is... Tuesday, March 29, 2-Niner. We are in the final week of camp, opening day 2016, less than a week away. That will be Monday the 4th against the Rockies at Chase Field. Zach Greinke will face Colorado's Jorge De La Rosa. Spring training has been so competitive that the D-backs still had 40 players in camp with a week to go. So it's been a remarkable fight for jobs all over the field. A lot to discuss on on our uh, annual media roundtable show. No guest on this show every year. It has become a long-standing tradition.
2: Well, we kind of have a guest.
1: Well, that's true. But he's part of the family. We sort of consider Steve Gilbert here family, right? But uh, in the extended one-year-plus history of this show, we have uh, had group discussion about everything we've seen in spring training, observations, thoughts, expectations for the coming year. And that is the show this week as we close spring training 2016 and look ahead to the regular season. On the program this week, sitting at the head of the media roundtable, and ready to bring you another season of Diamondbacks baseball on radio, the original voice of the D-backs. He is the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham, the Governor, Greg Schulte. Howdy. How you
0: doing? I'm doing good.
1: Ready to go. Is spring training too long?
0: Saturday will be long
1: at Chase Field. The game, the final game against the Royals. Kansas City
0: plays the next day. (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be uh, – you, do you don't televise that game, right? No, we do the Friday game. Yeah, we're yeah. doing both. And uh, guests galore, right, Leo?
2: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, when Greg is off this season, he'll be replaced by the newest member of our D-backs broadcast family. You've heard him entertain literally now, wait a minute. dozens of people. Wait a minute. As an outstanding host and at Sirius XM's MLB Network Radio. Clarify
0: yes, what you mean by when I'm off. You mean when I'm, you're, when I'm away? When you're away,
2: is that different? <laughs> or he's just not quite okay. right. right.
0: Off yeah. meaning inaccurate or <laughs> askew. I just
1: want to make sure we're
0: we're correct on I didn't that. Because I mean, I there was might the be several Ombudsman. times he's working.
1: <laughs> when you have scheduled off days, yes, yeah, yeah, okay. booked in advance for uh, your uh, highfalutin lifestyle. Right, you and yeah. the wife Nancy will be off. So uh, we have another guy here who has moved to the valley and is locked in for his first season as Dbacks radio pre and post game host. You'll hear him on the radio side doing play by play and after the game hosting the ever-popular Snake Talk radio program. I think
3: it's called Diamond
2: Talk.
1: Oh, uh, no. See, if yeah, you're going to have this kind of attitude, very we're, we're going to run into trouble immediately. You know,
2: I think it's kid called Diamond on, Talk. Kid is on top of it. I like it. He's, He's known it around here
1: Talk. as the moral compass. It's Mike Farron.
3: I like that I was called the Kid. That's great. Thank you. That's It's been a long time since <laughs> I knew called kid. that. Hey, Kid.
1: As you've also heard on the program, it's our engineer, producer, man about town. He's the mother of dragons, the Kingslayer, Leo Bad News Gil Martin. Good to be here. Now, it, because, Leo, you have kind of a duct tape operation going
2: here. Yeah, let's, let's go this ahead. This whole thing is because wow. held together with the— uh, This is really important, crucial for the I'm going to need
1: some 3-in-1 oil and some gauze pads. It's all uh, ball bearings now. Ball bearings. That's what—we're held together with string. So I, if you wouldn't mind, not, do you have one observation for the thought before you hand off your headset to our guest this week?
2: That the, the listeners of this podcast will have no idea what you're talking about in the end product.
1: Oh, so I shouldn't have brought it up. No, it really—it'll yeah. be a seamless audio transition. Absolutely, that's your point. Okay, well, as Leo uh, hands off his headset, we have included in our panel this year a member of the Fourth Estate representing the print media. You can read his uh, Dbacks coverage on the MLB website, Dbacks.com. He's got his own podcast on there as well, and he's covered the team for low these many years now. It's Dbacks beat writer Steve Gilbert. How many years is this for you, Steve?
4: well, I've been here since the beginning. Greg and I have been wow. here since the beginning. Yeah. Maybe we should call you uh,
1: Lord Commander of the Knights One.
4: No, no, I leave that. Uh, I'm just I'm just a guest. I'm just a hum- humble guest here.
1: <laughs> well, we're happy to have you. Um, who wants to start? Because I, I don't think anyone anticipated, Greg, spring training going this well.
0: Uh, yeah, in pretty much all aspects. You know, there have been some slides defensively. They've made a few base running mistakes here. You know, some starts haven't been so good. Maybe some relief efforts. Maybe they haven't hit the ball quite as well, but those times are very few and far between. Uh, they have pretty much put together complete games every night they have played. And it, it throw away the numbers, what everybody's hitting and everything else. I just like the way they're going about their business. Um, they seem to enjoy each other. Uh, if you go into the clubhouse, you see guys huddled around talking with one another. They're on the field. I mean, everybody's hustling. Everybody's running like crazy. I saw Peralta going third in the triple the other day. You know, uh, Segura leads off the ball game of the triple head first in Maryville. Um, you know, they're just playing real hard, and I think uh, that has to please Chip. I think that has to please his coaching staff. And uh, we've seen progression as uh, as week one turns to week two and then on to week four.
1: Steve, in your years, do you remember as competitive a spring training as we've had this year?
4: No, I was talking the other day with, uh, with Dave Stewart about that, and I said, I can't remember. a a diamondbacks camp where you had the competition like this, where it was so many different positions we're heading into the last week here. And we don't know who the starting second baseman shortstop, uh, what, what, what the outfield situation is necessarily going to be. we don't know the last spot in the bullpen. It isn't because they don't have enough good players. It's because they have so many people (laughs) playing well that it's hard for, for chip to decide. And it was interesting. He said, you know, 10 days ago, he'd given up the idea that, uh, when it came to the middle infield, that someone was going to fall off that, 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 they were going to make the decision easy for him, and he he said back then that it's just going to be a tough decision because these guys aren't giving up. What have you observed, Mike?
1: Well, I,
3: I mean, I think basically everything that that Gub and Steve has said is what I've seen is that this team has played extremely well. They've all risen to the level of comp of the competition, the internal competition, and I think that that makes you know kind of some of these decisions even tougher. You know, if there were one guy, if there was one spot that you looked at and said, well, this guy's performing and this guy isn't then it's easy to give the job to someone. But now you have to say, well, man, they're all playing so well. How do you make that decision? And I think that that's part of it. I think the other thing that stands out is how aggressive this team is uh, on the base paths specifically. And I was talking to a scout yesterday who, who also has the Royals in his coverage. And he said the Diamondbacks are the most aggressive base running team that he's seen. And he said, if you look at it, Matt Williams is at third base is basically waving his arm on every base hit to the outfield. And guys are taking legitimate turns at first, not just, you know, just making the turn on a base hit. They're getting a, a third to, to, you know, halfway between first and second before they're slamming on the brakes. And I think that's part of youth in this. And that's part of the excitement with this team is that it's really, really young and aggressive on the offensive side.
4: Well, you know, George Brett was quoted in the Kansas City yeah. Daily yeah. Star talking exactly. about uh, the goosebumps he got watching Gene Segura make that turn at first and turn a turn a single into a hustle double against the, against the Royals.
3: You Gebb and I were talking about that on a webcast a couple weeks ago, and that play to me, I I've, I've referenced that several times. You know, it was a routine base hit and it was to Lorenzo Kane, yeah. who's one of the most aggressive outfielders in baseball. And Segura turned a routine single into a double on it. and It was almost as if, how dare someone run on the great Lorenzo Kane. And I, I that has really stuck in my mind because uh, it led to a big inning too. But it's something I feel like if this season goes away, we think it's going to for the Diamondbacks, then we're going to go back and notice that that was maybe the first time we saw um, you know, really it, it manifested itself that way on the field. See, I go I go
0: back to. <laughs> The style of baseball I like is the style of baseball these guys play. I mean, I like base stealing. I like going first to third. I like the triples. Uh, Anybody can play the game, the long ball. You know, the Earl Weaver school hit the long ball. The Diamondbacks can do that too. But when you have guys putting pressure on the defense, to me, that causes problems for the other team. And the Diamondbacks are as good as anybody in the game at putting pressure on the other team defensively.
4: I think what you see, too, is a, is an attitude, a very business-like attitude. You you hear stories, you see stories about the Cubs camp, and they bring, you know, little bears out there to play with, and, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, crazy T-shirts, and, and the Rangers apparently have had all kinds of free-throw shooting contests before practice, and here... There's none of that that goes on. And it, it's not, it doesn't ever feel like the players are unhappy about that. You It's the personality of the guys in the room, the leaders, the, the Pollocks, the Goldschmidts, the Grankies, that are just very businesslike in the way they go about it. And I think you see that show up on the field, well, the way they go about their work. There have been things like
1: that before, Gubb. When Gibby was here, there was the paintball day, there yeah. was the climb camelback together as a sort of group bonding thing day. Not that those are negatives because they work for some teams and, and maybe less so for others, but this has been about business yeah. and baseball and take care of your business.
0: And I don't think that this team really needs that. I mean, they yeah. could probably do it if they, if they wanted to. But uh, I, I just think they, they're a bunch of guys that like to play baseball. They like to play baseball the right way. They like to come together as a team and play it the right way. And I think they really believe in their manager, Chip Hale, and I think they believe in their coaches.
1: The wind direction on the Internet changes constantly, whether it's baseball, sports, politics, whatever. But uh, this team took a beating mm-hmm. in the off season from the national media. Not that that's relevant or important, but – It's interesting to see how the wind direction on that has changed now, because I read Ken Rosenthal uh, talking about other people talking about this team, and I read Joel Sherman in the New York Post the other day, and the consensus seems to be, looking at the spring training now, everybody says, well, it's just spring training, but maybe these guys knew what they were doing after all. They have a plan. They went for it, and they went with the plan. It's not all about this year, but... They zigged when everyone else zags, and maybe they know what they're doing. That seems to be the narrative now.
3: Yeah, but I think part of it is because there was uncertainty because of the uncertainty that comes with youth. When you're trying to evaluate this team from the outside, you know it's very easy to look at the numbers from last year and see that you had three of the worst offensive middle infielders in baseball on the field and not see... You know what the potential is with players like that. You know it's very easy to kind of look at those things and say, well, there's not a whole lot of a track record for a guy like Yasmani Tomas or Jake Lamb. And really, that you know, you had the best second half in Wellington Castillo's career, and and be you're not. It's not that you're looking to be negative in evaluating it. You're just trying to take that into into account. But when you see the team the way it puts, it fits together on the field and how young it is. Um you know I think that those are those are real benefits for it and I think that that's one of the reasons why there's been that you know that kind of zig so to speak, is well, because it because people have gotten a chance to see what it looks like now, and you go, okay, well, now this all starts to make sense. I
1: think there was a big rush to be negative, absolutely, with the trade, particularly the Shelby-Miller deal, because people maybe didn't look closely enough at what was here already and what the Diamondbacks knew was like we have some payroll resources that we've accumulated, we have some personnel resources, we have some guys we like, we think we'll be okay if we give this package up to get Miller in here. So I think, from that regard, there was a big rush to be negative.
0: And The Diamondbacks are easy targets nationally. Yeah, Steve, you, you know, I mean, it uh, it's become a, a real easy target to you know pick apart whatever the Diamondbacks do, be it a trade, uh, the uniforms, whatever comes along. You know, they're they're going to be targeted.
1: And and I, was a, and there was there was an article in Fangrass why we hate the Diamondbacks. <laughs> I mean, it was a little play on words, yeah. but I think you're right.
4: Yeah, and I don't think that they care. I don't no, think Tony the oh, no, Dave Stewart, I don't think that that can I mean, it doesn't affect them in the way they go about their business. They, they're going to build this team the way they want to build it, and if it works, they'll be happy, and if it doesn't work, they'll be unhappy regardless of what people right. say about it. But the, so the only reason I – I
3: was going to say national analysts have been wrong about these kind of moves before, and yeah, I think you sure. just have to look at the Royals. It's the same example in the James Shields trade. I mean, think about how maligned the Royals were for, for daring right. to trade Will Myers who didn't have an eye, you know, have sure. a, even a sniff of the big leagues at that point for James Shields when they were coming off what a seventy-seven win season and Wade Davis who turned out to right. be their well, big and, weapon, right? Yeah. but they didn't know. I mean, Davis was in the rotation sure. too. They didn't know he was going to turn into that. But Shields was really the big, you know, the big piece of that deal. And and you know, they didn't win the World Series with Shields, but they got to a World Series with him and uh, set themselves up to win one because of it.
0: Now, let me ask you guys this, and it, it, it's it's politically incorrect to trade your number one pick but the trade of dansby swanson with what the Diamondbacks have got at shortstop right now and down the road in nick ahmed gene segura and chris owens is he going to be better than a combination of those three over the long haul
1: i didn't understand i'd see when you want to kill the diamondbacks for trading the one one as he's known the first pick in the first round you nobody seemed to look at what, they al- have. what else do they have there? Yeah. I mean, they've got a whole infield full of guys who are 23, 24, and 25. Where's Dansby Swanson going to play?
4: Because I think the, the, the general feeling now in baseball, or at least amongst the analysts, is that everything's about value yeah. and getting value, and, and, and they place these values on guys, and you need to get that value back, whereas these guys are looking at we're trying to win, and what gives us the best chance to win? And, and that's just a different way that they, that they right. see the rest of the industry, and that's the zigging when they're zagging type thing. As Dave Stewart about. said,
1: what would you do to win?
3: Yeah, yeah. And, I think, and I think Steve hit on something that's really important there. I mean, Dansby Swanson is going to be a really good player, and there is a chance, I think there's a pretty good chance, that he ends up being, out of those four players, the best players. But when is he going to start being that player? Is it going to be in 2018? You know, if that's the case... Your window to win, I know Tony La Russa talks about, listen, this isn't a three-year window or one-year window. It's, you know, we're going to be good for a long time is our plan. But in the immediacy, you have this group that is under control for the next three to four seasons. And to take full advantage of that, you need players that fit into that window. And Shelby Miller fits into that window. Dansby Swanson only fits into a sliver of it.
1: And the same could be said for Tuki Tucson.
3: And uh, it it further Diaz. away. yeah, yeah. It but everybody. Away. And it the only still. the sure.
1: only reason I brought this up was there was this sort of land rush, this herd mentality to start beating up on the Arizona Diamondbacks in November and December, but now because of the spring, that really does seem to be changing, and I think. You know, talk about winning hearts and minds. I think some of the hearts and minds out there are starting to get won over well, a little sure, bit here by what the they're thing seeing. Is, is with the end caveat
3: to that, win that it's just on spring the right? You're yeah. going to have to win during the regular season too no to really change the minds of that. And you're not going to change the minds of some that are value based.
4: I was just going to say, there's going to yeah. be that. There's going to be that pe- people that say out there, well, that worked, but it shouldn't have worked so that doesn't count. <laughs> listen, I mean, you heard that with the Royals. You yeah, did hear that listen, with the Royals. I've been friends you know. with Dave
3: Cameron for a long time from Fangraphs, and I disagree with a lot of the stuff that Dave writes, but I never miss an opportunity to, to, to remind him that he suggested two years ago that the Royals should look at trading James Shields at the trade deadline because they obviously weren't going to make the playoffs, and they ended up winning the pennant. And so the, I like to remind him of that every chance that I get.
0: Let me take it to the outfield now, and a couple of guys who are actually a few guys that have put themselves into the mix. We, we don't know the status of A.J. Chip is positive that he'll be ready. We don't know that. Tomas came back after the injury and has hit the ball well. Defensively, there's still obviously question, problem, fix here and right. But Brito, O'Brien, Bourgeois and Weeks have all had good camps. They've all put themselves into a mix. Let me tell
1: you, Ricky Weeks still has as much bat speed as it seems he's ever had. Now... Is he an everyday left fielder in the big leagues? Probably not. Can he be a fourth outfielder in the big leagues? Probably. He didn't have a good year last year when S- with Seattle, and they gave up on him in June or sometime. Um, I, I don't. Who's the left fielder right now? Is it Tomas? And that's that's discussions closed. I, I, think, I think it's Tomas. Money. Yeah, okay. I think it's
4: Tomas. But here's the thing: if, if you if you mention Ricky Weeks. He gives you some thunder off the bench, and you don't lose anything by keeping him on the roster opening day and letting uh, Socrates Brito play every day down in the minor leagues. The
1: only thing you lose is, is not having a guy that can play center field. Now look, you can fix that in a day. If if something were to happen and you needed another center fielder, you could have a guy here in a day. Correct. So Peralta could slide over and play center for half a game or whatever until somebody could get on an airplane.
0: And is it right as long as Pollock stays out of these major league games, everything is cool as yes. far as dating back? Yeah, you can yeah. backdate
3: up to yeah. 10 days from opening day. Yeah. So it would basically keep him out, you know, potentially into, you know, if if they were to DL him, the first day he'd be eligible would be the Saturday of the Cubs. That series. seems to
1: be the smart move because that seems to be be the question with AJ Pollock. Do you bring him back to these Cactus League games, maybe rush him back, right. jam in as many Cactus League game at bats as you can and hope he's ready, or do you put him on a backfield somewhere against Archie Bradley or today against Zach Ranky, which is what he'll do, let him get his at bats that way and keep that option open to backdate the DL stint and that way maybe he only misses one series if you decide that's the way you need to go. Let me
3: play the devil's advocate a little bit in this from the standpoint of A.J. Pollock getting ready. You know obviously most veteran hitters you'll talk to want 50 plate appearances or so but even if Pollock isn't all the way ready offensively he's one of the best defensive center fielders in, in baseball and if he's healthy even if he's not at full tilt offensively isn't he a value to your team on opening day as a defender if you're not concerned about re-injury? I mean, to me, if he's healthy, he plays. Whether he's ready right. timing-wise or not, it's all about health. And if you feel like he's healthy for opening day, then I wouldn't be surprised if you see him at Chase Field this weekend.
0: Well, I don't want to nurse so. him
3: along. Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I'm saying? I, because you're almost playing, a, especially if Chip decides to go to a 13 pitchers because then you're down one bench Which player. Sounds and Pollock's like not leaning playing at 100% then, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a catch-22. What do you think, Steve?
4: You know, I, th- I think it's it, we, we put so much focus, not we being us, but we right. being baseball, on who's on that opening day roster when really it, it's 162 two games, and we'll forget about that by a month into it. You're going to have 15 it. or 20 over the year anyway. Yeah, it seems Absolutely. amazing
1: to believe that Josh Colemanter was the opening day starter yeah. last year. Now yeah. look where things are in the rotation.
4: Yeah. Nice. Not having a very good spring in the bullpen, and that's, and that's oh, another question. Yeah. I
1: mean, I read where Chip said after the game at Scottsdale Stadium last night, it would be hard for him to imagine Coley not being on the opening day roster. But he's not had a good spring, yeah. and you have a bunch of young, hard touring right-handers that have had very good springs. Barrett
0: Marshall and Bu- Burgos have really put their, uh, you know, their name into that hat uh, as far as pulling it out, maybe making the team, and a couple, I guess, could make it, right? With the way the roster stacks up right now,
4: if you went with 13 pitchers, right, right, yeah. but I, I don't, I don't know that I'd go with 13 pitchers to start with because again, you, you have these guys have options that you can, you can send them down if you really need to, to switch out but a pitcher, or you off can in do that. Month. Right,
0: and you don't want to stretch out your
1: starters too, too much.
4: So if that becomes a problem though, yeah. my, my point is you yeah, can make exactly. that adjustment as yeah. we go.
1: Barrett, Barrett's been outstanding and Burgos has got this splitter now that yeah. seems to make and him... And Marshall's say for the
3: one game has been really good. Yeah, Barrett, Marshall was good Barrett last night. Barrett was again. terrific last night too. He got into a jam and got out of it without yeah. allowing a run against the heart of the Giants yeah, order. He's pensive, completely belt. different this year
0: than what yeah. we saw last spring. Absolutely. You know,
3: I think Steve raises a really good point here in terms of options. You have to continue to yeah. look at the roster as not the best 25, but the best 25 of 35 players that gives you the options along the way and the one advantage that you get in terms of being able to go with 12 pitchers with just one day off day in the month is that you have several multi-inning multi options in the bullpen whether it be Cole Mentor or Delgado guys that can give you two to three innings at a stint which helps to alleviate some of that need for that 13th pitcher in my mind because if you do have a starter go short and you're not necessarily expecting it to happen all that often with Greinke and Miller and Corbin at the front, but if you do have that that where one of those guys goes short, you have multiple options to be able to do that yeah. and as long as these guys all have options, if you need a fresh arm, you know the whole first month is on the West Coast, it would be pretty easy to get a guy from Reno. Sure. Here,
1: here's why Chip seems to be leaning toward 13 pitchers and I'm just reading between the lines, but when you see his comments after every game, it seems like he's sort of going that way. They have one off day in April. Yeah. One. Right.
0: That's a game that's the day that that's I think we
1: leave for LA. Monday the eleventh, yeah. and then we start out on a ten game road trip. So you've got one off day, you might need thirteen pitchers. But then
4: you can always make a roster move at some point and send sure, somebody to sure. one of your position players down to to add a pitcher at some point. What do you do a
1: catcher? To. Who's the backup for Wellington? I think I don't see any way around it, the fact that it's got to be Chris Herman. He just gives you so much. Look, he's not Yogi Berra, but he, he's a left-hand bat. He plays four positions. He seems to do a pretty good job behind the plate, although he and Ruby really didn't seem to connect the other day uh, against the Rockies in that Saturday. Ruby they,
0: thought he pitched pretty well, according to the quote I saw. Yeah. <laughs> much much differently than what there, uh, Chip said. There
1: were a lot of discussions between the two. That'll get ironed out, yeah. I'm sure. But, I mean, Tuffy just hasn't hit. Now, because Herman has the ability to play first base, to play left field and right field. Do you want him as the backup catcher? Because if you decide midway through the game, you want him to play right field or pinch hit, there goes your backup catcher. Or are you better served carrying three catchers like they did much of last year and having Herman as that's a possibility too. But do you need three catchers to maximize Herman's value in terms of his versatility?
4: I like that idea. I like the idea of keeping three catchers because Herman doesn't, to me, count as a catcher yeah. if he can play left right. and right and first. And yeah. and so, yeah. And, and O'Brien, just emergency defensively right up. now. Emer- emergency, emergency backup. And you know, he just hasn't really looked very good in the outfield either.
1: I know, but hitting balls over the batter's eye in Maryvale looked pretty good. Can he do that, though, if he's not playing every day? Can well, he, remember when he came up last
0: September and did. Yeah. I mean, he came off the bench at three or four hits, including a pinch home Took run. Took some so, walks, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It, 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 I think these guys are better off if they're getting the bats every day in the minor leagues. Okay,
1: then what do you do with Drury? Yeah. I mean, look, he's got to play. He's got to make
0: he? my ball club. That's why they're taking a look at him in the outfield here, right? He now. played
1: left field last night in Scottsdale. He's playing right field here today at Salt River Fields. This guy is ready, man. He's ready, isn't he? Are you guys seeing yes, what I'm seeing? Yes, I'm seeing what you're seeing. Okay.
3: And, but I think, and this goes back to, you know, the problem is that all of these are interconnected, right? If this right. were 1987, right. this would be an easy decision because you're carrying 15 position players, right. and then all these guys make it. Yeah. The the idea is, I'm with you, Gubb, on the idea that young guys, you want them to see them play and get enough plate appearances. But can they get enough plate appearances at the big league level? I mean, we're already looking at that no, with no. second and shortstop. Yeah. And what happens if those three guys each end up around 450 plate appearances – That's playing enough. Now, these are guys with a little bit more Major League service time. If it's Drury and he can play kind of some of those corner, both the corners in the outfield and play third and play second, can you get him enough plate appearances? But it also has another impact on the roster in that what does it mean for Peter O'Brien? What does it mean for Ricky Weeks? Because if Drury can play the corners in the outfield, then do you need to keep Ricky Weeks? That's all part of it. That all has to be part of the equation in that in trying to figure out how to put these bench spots together.
0: And, Steve, this goes back to what you were saying earlier about one of the toughest camps we've ever seen for the Arizona
4: Diamondbacks. Let me play devil's advocate for a second. What's the worst thing about sending Drury down to Reno to start the year? If you keep Lamb at third and whatever you do up in the middle there.
1: You just don't have him available. He's just not here. here. Yeah, that's the only downside. <laughs> yeah. And is that a big I get thinking. Is a a th- that the end of the world? Probably uh, not. Uh, no.
3: Uh, no, I see a downside to it, too, because he, he said he lost his swing when he went to the minor leagues last year, yeah, right? He told us that, he, for, and he, he, lost, it for and he lost it for three or four months. He lost it for three or four months. And how much of that is you're told it's an open competition and you go out and perform well enough and you're frustrated and disappointed that you get sent out? And that's not to say – I mean, this is a pretty mentally tough kid. I mean, they're challenging him the last week of Major League Spring Training where he's never played the outfield before. But is he – and in the end, too, I mean, this is going to be a tight division. And there are five playoff spots in the National League. You have to worry more about wins on day one than you ever have before in baseball. Does Brandon Drury help you win more games in the month of April – than he would if he went to Reno. So where is he going to play? Where is he going to play? If he plays three times a week, four times a week, at third base, second base, left, right field, is that
1: enough? Does that keep a swing going? I think the fact that they're putting him in the outfield here, and, and you hit it right on the head. I mean, we're down to the final days here, and they're sticking the kid in the outfield. I think that shows how badly they want him to be on this team. I think they really want to find a spot for him if they can. And you're right, every game counts, man. I I think a lot of it comes down,
0: again, to Pollock's health. I mean, I think they need to make a decision on A.J. if he's going to be ready for the regular season because that's going to determine... What they do in center field is it bourgeois a veteran? I, I probably burrito. not. It's got to be Brito, I
1: would think. They may have already made that decision. Yeah, and they're just keeping him back there. Like we said, that's the that's the best option right now. What do you that think of the most flexibility? Stephen? A Brito?
4: Yeah, he's an he's exciting young player. I mean, he's kind of cooled off a little bit as camp's gone on here, but he's an exciting young player for sure. And I think that if if you keep him again, he's gotta he's gotta get regular bats for me somehow, some way. If you keep him on the roster,
1: Jury seems to be. And it's not by a lot, but seems to be further along as a hitter than Brito. Which, if, if I had to pick, if you had to say, okay, one kid needs the at bats every day, it would probably be Brito more so than Drury. Sure, I'd agree fair? with that. Yeah, I would, yeah, I'd say that's fair. Um, you know, talking about where does this guy play, and where do they find the at bats, and how much for Drury, I, I look at Aaron Hill. Aaron Hill was the odd man out last year in some sense in the infield. They still found a way to get him over 300 at bats last year. Yeah. So those Lamb got
4: hurt. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. at
1: bats are still out there in a sense and and Jake missed 42 games at the beginning of the year and that that was a reason why but those at bats still exist somewhere in the fabric of this thing somebody can pick those up whether it's Drury or Owings off the bench or whoever
3: Well Goslin's going to have a bench spot. Yeah.
1: Yeah, then
0: that's Gosselin the- and either Ahmed Segura or Owings will have a bench spot.
3: So there's two infielders right. and if you're going to yeah, end up carrying Yeah, if you're going to end up carrying 13 pitchers, then there's one spot that's right. open. Right, and if that's to an outfield carry 12. spot. And, and, you know, you highlighted that, yeah, okay, maybe he's thinking 13 pitchers because there's only one off day in the month of April. Go look at that April schedule. It's tough. Cubs, Pirates. Cardinals. Cardinals, Dodgers, Dodgers Giants. Giants. All in that month. It's a brutal month. I mean, that yeah. first road trip is 10 games and the other one's in San Diego. And, boy, if you happen to catch Kashner, Ross, and Shields, yeah. that's not an easy series either. But – they have strengthened their
0: rotation. Yeah. From compare you know if they went into this last year with the rotation that they had they might need to carry 15 or 16 <laughs> pitchers.
1: There's no question. With. Yeah, they yeah. I mean they they did Whoops. it with the uh, mirrors at some point last year with yeah. some of these guys, but that's what you do when you're building a young rotation. And now those guys are the back end of what I think is a, a pretty deep rotation, at least one through five, anyway.
0: Is there any possibility they could make a trade? And what do you trade for? What you know, it would it be a minor I, league help at that time? I, or do you gain anything by making a trade to open up a spot? I don't think, I you, think do, you do. Pr-
1: at this point, you probably are best served by having depth, as much depth as yeah. you can, in different positions. I don't think know, is there a glaring need no, where you're going no. to make a deal?
3: I mean, I think the I only think thing you deep. could look at is bullpen depth at some point. Right. right? I mean, I think that's probably the biggest question mark that everybody has is, how good is this bullpen? Clipper did not have a good second half last year. You know, Ziegler, I think there's always going to be questions about him because he's unconventional Hotty. as a closer Daniel Hudson had some great moments out of the bullpen. Chaffin was really good last you know, year. You Rand- know?
0: Randall Delgado. Right.
3: Delgado. And I I have a lot of faith in Delgado. I mean, but you start to go you start to go through and go, Okay, well it's a little less proven if you're gonna add to one to the mix, but as you said, we're right now, we've got five guys that look like they're set. You're looking at you know, maybe one spot that's open in the bullpen. Well, do you want to go add somebody from the outside and send all of those guys that have been competing for the job to AAA? And if you're adding a guy that doesn't have options left, does that make any sense at all? Yeah. Because then again, you're affecting well, your roster and
4: flexibility. You, and if you think Brandon Jury's going to be upset because he had a good spring and is not going to yeah. make it, right. how about those relievers yeah. that exactly. aren't going to make it and you're going to bring somebody you know, in from Marcy the outside Burgo, too? So. It,
1: it's nice to have a veteran guy back there that you – has a proven track record and you can feel good about. But, I, you know, think about the St. Louis Cardinals and watching some of their games the last few years. And one guy after another comes out of the bullpen, and you haven't heard of any of them, but they all throw 98. And you're thinking, where do they get these guys? Well, the Diamondbacks, it may or may not prove to be that all these guys are real good big league pitchers, but the Diamondbacks are sort of in that position. Now they've got a bunch of young guys that not many people out there know right. about that we've all seen and have been impressed we with. We
3: got spoiled by these guys because we saw them two years ago in the Fall League, and they were electric, and it was burning. Urgos, it was Barrett. It was Caleb Fleck, who's pitched, yeah. had some really good we moments. We didn't even in his name. And, yeah. and, and, and I think he just got sent out yesterday, yeah. but he's yeah. going to be back at some point. And Jimmy Schurphy was the other one, and Schurphy's got great stuff. But all four of those guys. Um, Run him up you're here. Pitched really, really well <laughs> before he blows out in the fall league two years ago, and were high-velocity, high-octane guys. And you go, yeah. you know, there's an advantage to being able to break one of those guys in as the last pitcher on a staff yeah. to get their feet comfortable because you don't need to use them in the highest leverage spots right. as it sits right
1: now.
0: It's been a fun camp. I don't think there's any doubt about it, and and the tough decisions are still coming. Is they all, really are.
1: We said. I think going into camp, if Ahmed hits, he's the shortstop, right? That was sort of the consensus. Well, as we sit here on March 29th, he's hitting 418, with 11 extra base hits and 11 RBIs. So it would seem like... I, I don't know what else he needs to do, right, to be the shortstop, which would put Segura because he's got to play based on the way he's hit. Oh, by the way, he's hitting five twenty-seven. Uh, he would that would make him the second baseman. Now, what's Owings
0: hitting? 380, 368?
1: I thought I think CEOs had a great spring. Yeah. In the last Chris weeks, Owings he's
3: been driving the ball. Yeah. Chris
1: Owings is hitting three sixty-two. Yeah. With uh, five, seven extra base hits, 10 RBIs, and oh, by the way, eight stolen and, and bases. You guys
0: might not agree with me, but as good as Ahmed is at short, I think Owens is as good at second base. I do agree with you.
1: Yeah. I, I. Dave McKay told me he thinks Chris Owens can be a really good shortstop. He can
4: be yeah. a great second baseman. I think yeah. the question is, do they feel like Ahmed... Will hit during the regular a season. A notoriously
1: yeah. slow start. Yes. Remember the middle of May last year, we were hitting at buck thirty.
4: That's the biggest yeah. to me. They're not going to look at the numbers as much as they're going to say, "Do well, we feel this translates into the regular season?" Well, well the thing well, is, they've got little,
3: depth there, so they, th- you know they don't have to make a decision. E- exactly. That's the thing is that we keep acting like, okay, well, who's going to start the made on by the guys day? who are playing out exactly. there? Exactly. Yeah. All three of these guys are going to make the team. Yeah. All three of them are going to play. And there is something to be said for riding the hot hand, and it affords Chip that opportunity. And it, as we talked about, it, despite the fact that this team was second in the league in runs scored last year, there were a lot of days that the bottom third of the lineup, oh. because Ahmed and Owings were struggling. Bottom half. We're, we're, we're not yeah. Until they got Castillo was after, really after the cleanup spot. And, and salt Lamachia yeah. too, who you yeah. forget, had a really right. good year last year, too. So you you get down, if would, whatever of those guys is hitting or performing the best, it gives you options there. And I think, I think we need to stop looking at it as who's going to be the shortstop, who's going to be the second baseman. All three of these guys are going to be the shortstop. Ahmed's only going to play short. The other two are going to play short in second, and they're going to probably play a significant amount and a significant role if this team's going to make the playoffs. It'll be a challenge for Chip, Chip, no question. Chip
1: said that. He could do, in fact, he referenced Joe Madden. He could do a a pull a Chicago Cubs Madden Mm. move, is I think how he put it, which is rotate different guys through.
4: Of course, then Dave Stewart was quoted, somewhere else is saying that you know some of these guys need to play every day. That probably so wouldn't work, yeah. That's, uh, that, that's, that's why it's going to be fascinating to see what happens when they actually get in the room to make the decisions how that all plays out. Yeah,
0: I don't think there's any doubt any manager, any general manager, any team would rather have this problem yes of too many players sure. doing the job right now Then guys he well he's not gonna make the team he's not gonna make yeah make it
3: hard and
0: that i think breeds success in major league Baseball. and,
3: and gub it's it's not just guys that are having good camps it's good players yes. that are having good camps yeah. that's the other part of it is that you know i i always feel like the diamondbacks are in the kind of the worst spot for minor league player evaluation because the Cal League, the Midwest League, and the yeah. Southern League tend to be under-evaluated. Yeah. Yeah. And so you don't get to see these guys as much as they come up. And to me, this is a group of really good players. There are some with standout tools. Ahmed's a tremendous defender. Lamb is really, I think, taking another step forward power-wise. Drury is a pretty complete hitter, I think. I think Brito is the most exciting young player that not enough people know about. I'm a huge Socrates Brito believer. Yeah. And These guys are good players, and so the options are great, too, because here's the thing. If it doesn't work, if whatever selection they make at these positions is wrong, there's another guy that's ready to step right in that can come up from Reno. And you know what? There's a team like Baltimore has had a lot of success with this over the last four years where they've they've used their minor league system almost as a taxi squad. If you're performing well in the minors and the guy in the big leagues isn't doing it, bring them up and the best thing for the diamondbacks is they can retain all of these guys yeah. because all of them have minor league yeah, options that's
1: tonight. what the expos always did yeah, yeah. And jonah carey did a great job of writing about that in his up up and away book about the expos when felipe alou was the manager if you were 21 years old and you were somewhere in the minors playing you were up and you were playing so well the dodgers are falling apart do we feel good about that do we feel sorry for them well, I, think, I, I uh, can't believe the they, I can't I believe be, the rash of, rash of injuries. I they've think had. they've
0: been quoted saying nobody's going to feel sorry for us. So you know you got to get on. Every team has experienced it one time or another in the past five six but, but years. But
4: they've been hit by a, a tsunami of injuries. Well, it's yeah. unbelievable. Uh, that, that's a team that is is building for the future. Yeah, and, building value yeah. for the future. If you you know, that, it's a different a lot philosophy of right talent. there. They but, passed on Cole Hamills last year at the trade deadline. They let Zach Greinke get signed by the Diamondbacks. I mean, that, they may they may outsmart themselves a little bit when it comes to this. Dylan
1: uh, Hernandez wrote about that. Are they wasting Clayton Kershaw's best years yeah. by sort of doing this let's get younger and save some money movement that they seem to be on? And now the guys they do have, Kendrick might not be ready for opening day. Grondahl might not be ready for opening day. They've gone through five injured starting pitchers. How's right? Seager? I mean, you know. He's, he's supposed to be minor games, Playing yeah. in minor league
3: yeah. games, though, in case yeah. they need to backdate him. Right. The, the thing is with them. I think it's really dangerous to write them off right away because they are deep oh, and they are talented. Nobody's writing and them I think, off. No, no, no. But no. I think, but I think this is a you know they've won three straight division titles and their mantra was we want to build a deeper organization one through not just one through forty but one through right. seventy. So are they better you know, with that? They are better served to be able to handle injuries theoretically, right? I, I now look, we get to find out whether or not yeah. they are.
1: I look around that team in Los Angeles, and I see a bunch of guys that are 33, 34, 35 years old, coming off off-season surgeries, and just about Turner had his knee done fracture Hernandez, I mean, you name it. Ethier's gone for half the year, maybe. I mean, that's an a vet, that's an old. And team people say Carl Crawford can't play anymore. From. I mean,
0: you you don't know on that, so
1: yeah. Uh, what about the Giants? The Giants seem to be there. I heard Bob
0: Nightingale is uh, coming in uh, on high heat talking with Mad Dog, and he, said ah. he he thinks Samarja will win between 15 and 20
1: games. I don't know. He had a terrible spring. Yeah. His last start was better, but he had a terrible Big spring. Big
3: ballpark. Uh, Samarja's not as bad a pitcher as he was last year, and he's not as good a pitcher as yeah. he was two years ago. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. And he's a solid starter. They going to be predicated on health. They're the Giants. Yeah, well,
0: they're going to be competitive. They'll be right at it. They're playing a great be lineup. To win
3: it. I think their lineup's the best that they've had in this last half dozen years. And I know that Bruce Bochy's talked about how deep the rotation is. But really, to me, this is a much more offensive Giants team than what we've seen in the, the last half decade. The
0: one thing they have to stay away from, and all three guys in the outfield have had injuries mm-hmm. Pence, Spann, and, uh, and Pagan. Pagan. Absolutely. So, well, yeah. they
1: have Parker, they have Williamson. Both those corner guys have tremendous power and had very interesting springs. I think at some point along the way here, they don't here,
0: excite me. I don't.
1: Do, God, Somewhere can, down the road, God, man, they, and can, they can. both. can. They're not Hunter Pence. They're not Denard. I got you. They're, yeah. But they're not Scruffy McScrofferson. If you have to put them out but there but I think two the Giants,
0: months. for what they do, they have
3: to have those three guys playing anywhere between 140 and 150. Span, I think, games.
1: if he's healthy, will be a big difference maker. for Yeah,
3: them. I agree. I'm a big Denard Span guy, and I think. The other thing is that they get overlooked a lot. It's a it's a team that doesn't beat themselves, right? The defensively, they're really good, especially on the infield. and All, all four of those guys are homegrown and good. B- belt scares me.
1: They might lock him up before uh, opening day gets yes, here with be. a long-term deal. They keep going back and forth. Bobby Evans, and some of it they has have been done in the to media here. That, yep. Bobby Evans said very publicly, look, he's got to stay healthy you know we 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 like what we see but he's not here enough for us to make this sort of five-year commitment at 100 million or whatever you want to put it uh how do you feel about the giants mr kilbert
4: you know i they surprised me when they won the world series in in 12 and 14 too i i I just i got it in 2010 they had the starting pitching it was dominant i just didn't see it coming in 12 or 14 i think they got they got lucky in some of those playoff series, too, so I, I, I hesitate to, to bet against them. But um, I, I'm with you guys on the Dodgers, I, the injuries that hurt, some of the guys they have, the, the older guys. That, uh, I don't know, but they do have depth, so they can make some deals. They can make some moves as the year goes on. They do have money, too. I think yeah, they, they, do they
1: have money. I think the possibility is there for them possibility for them to just bottom out well, if they they out by injuries and have a 500 and for botting them out for them might be a 500 season well
4: that'd be fascinating to see what happens then with 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 that with that management group over there they got seven gms working
1: in the front office seven yeah, but they've
3: only got one that's making the decisions. well in theory and, I mean, the and he blue doesn't jays have the title had, the blue jays had half a dozen guys that were, making, that, that were former GMs at one point, and only one of them was making the decision, and that was Anthopolis. So right, and it took them that forever, forever to even
2: bit, win a wild card spot. Yeah, well,
3: I mean, that, that doesn't mean that they were all in the decision-making process. I don't think that that's... They have some solid baseball people around, everybody that they have there. But oh, I think that they have a very... I think they are trying to win while, while building the depth of the organization overall.
2: I
1: don't think there's any question about that, and I'm sure they're very capable baseball people. There just seems to be a lot of them. That's all. Uh, anybody want to make any... Predictions? Oh, Come on,
3: not really. I'm not into predictions. <laughs> me either.
1: I'm Nothing, huh? Steve-O, help me out. Give me something. Who's going to win the MVP in the National League? Wow, who's going to win the MVP in the gonna National League? Who's going to have a big League? year? Uh, you know, you know Old prediction time as we I'm wrap up say, the show. I'm going to say hey, Eugenio ga- Suarez. You can't. Here you go. You can't. Just to be fair, you can't name a Diamondback. <laughs> That's
4: fine, but I'm going to say Goldie finishes second in the MVP voting because that <laughs> seems to be that funny, seems right? to be right. He's going to finish second
1: in the MVP voting every other year. He'll be the anti-giant. Uh, come on, give me I an MVP.
3: I, I, I'm not going to give you an MVP, but I'm going to give – because I could care less about the awards. I care about winning and losing games. But wow. The, wow. The, the, Listen um, to that. Oh, he, just really he just that. really schooled you You're right there. That, that let, me, let me give you – You're me, the
1: media. You're supposed to care about these awards. The,
3: the, no, no, no. I'm not a baseball writer. That's only the people <laughs> in the Baseball Writers Association of America, right, <laughs> I Steve, won't even get
1: you started on the Hall of Fame. The
3: um, Yeah, don't. Please don't. I'm already in enough trouble for that. I know you are. The team that everybody is sleeping on in my mind is Pittsburgh. And I still think it's a really good team. It's a really smart organization. They made some decisions that were unpopular each of the last three years and still been a playoff contender. Do not sleep on the Pirates. That's a difficult division with the I Cubs like and the Cardinals Pirates. in it, but I still think it's a very good team. Nicasio
1: has been really good for them. Outstanding. Did
3: you guys yeah. see
0: the big story today? Discontent the Cardinals uh, clubhouse. No. Yeah, uh, they've had all sorts of meetings and what, everything what else. What is the uh, gripe? I didn't get a chance to read the story. But uh
2: You know what I'm doing now. Today. Yeah. Well, Discontent. you know what?
1: There- they're entitled to have some discontent. So right? Yeah. I mean they got Matt Holiday playing some first base now. I don't know. But uh, baseball game. So that's it. Nobody wants to make predictions on no. right, Why gone. don't you make Pick some predictions, second.
3: Steve? You're so into them.
1: I, I I'm just trying to generate discussion, Mike. Uh, I, I, my prediction—that's how you talk show hosts on the radio do it. I I'm sorry,
4: this isn't a talk show. <laughs> <laughs> my prediction is that all these predictions are going to go right out the window yeah, come nice Monday. Sure. So that's, that's that's where I'm going to go with that. How's prediction,
1: that? in the words of Clubber Lang, prediction.
4: Pain. Thanks for coming in, Stevie. Always enjoy. This. It is my pleasure, guys. Nice Best to have you. Best of luck you, man. to you. Happy 2016. Yeah, we'll, we you.
1: will see you each and every day along the way here. 162. Let's get it on. We'll be on our airwaves quite a bit. Well, the I appreciate of, uh, that, Mills Lane. Let's get it on. All right, take care, guys. Uh, All thanks right, thanks, The great Steve Gilbert. Uh, we encourage you to log on and check out dbacks.com slash fans for exclusive video content. You can join social media networks. You can buy single-game tickets to any Diamondbacks regular season home game there, dbacks.com slash evolution. And if you're tweeting about the Diamondbacks on the Twitter, remember, include the hashtag join the evolution. Leo, do you want to make a prediction? Pain. There you go. I know how you feel. Diamondbacks regular season single game tickets on sale now. Check out the website. You can buy individual game tickets and check out the many season ticket options that the Diamondbacks have available for you. dbackscom slash evolution. All the ticket info, seating charts, prices, the whole thing. We open up Monday against the Rockies at Chase Field. That does it for our 37th show, season two, episode 12. Follow us on the Twitter at d podcast news about upcoming guests, links to all the shows. Uh, Leo, I understand we have a, a tentative podcast schedule that we've sort of set up for over the course and of the season. Do you want to give f- folks we, out there a way, a, a sort of a version of how this is going to go here?
2: Well, I, I think we have a tentative plan. <laughs> uh, we still plan to do a show, um, kind of you know, once a homestand.
1: Once a homestand. That um, sounds good.
2: But to to nail down a specific day, I think we're I think we're early on that. I don't think we can do that. Right. But ballpark, we're we're looking yeah. at once a home stand here. Yeah, we got a we got a good plan. We're, right. we're circling it nicely, and once a home stand, and uh, uh, that'll a- enable us to get the uh, the top line guests, the front line, the number one. Yeah, that's what we want. We yes. want that's star what, power. That's on what, this what show. the fans deserve. That's what the listeners deserve. But as Mike Tyson
1: once said, everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the face. <laughs> uh, that does it for our thirty seventh show, season two, episode twelve, D-Backs Podcast. Guests on D-Backs Podcast receive our eternal gratitude. A D-backs podcast brought to you by Beverages by Hoffman, by Martin Paints, Martin Paints at Inches Paints, and Matz's by Straits. For the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham, the Gub to Greg Schulte. Ooh, yeah. The Moral Compass, Mike Farron.
3: A pleasure, as always. Thank
1: you for chiming in. And also our thanks to Steve Gilbert from MLB.com and the Kingslayer, Leo Bad News Gilmartin. I'm Steve Berthium. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll talk to you again following Monday's 2016 opening day game at last. So long, everybody.
0: This has been another edition of D-Backs Podcast.
1: The game is over. The Diamondbacks have got to win here. Thanks
0: for listening. It's over. Go home. We'll see you soon at Chase Field for more D-Backs Baseball.